Welcome to the Mighty Littles Podcast. Hello, this is Anna Zimmerman back at you with the Mighty Littles Podcast. Today we are going to be talking to Robin Rosenberger. She is the creator of Tiny Superheroes and it is her purpose and passion to provide capes to children who are overcoming hardship or disability. She really views these capes as a symbol of courage and strength. But more than that, she has this tiny superhero squad who are professionals of professionals who spread hope. Additionally, Tiny Superheroes provides the opportunity for kids to feel proud of themselves by doing monthly missions where they unlock their superpowers. She really views her company, the Tiny Superheroes, as a way that she can change the way the world sees people with disabilities. But what I love most about this interview and what I love most about the Tiny Superhero mission and the Tiny Superhero capes is that these capes are really an icebreaker that invite connection between people who have differences. And these capes really break down barriers so that we can connect with people that we otherwise would not have connected with or would have been nervous to connect with. So I hope that you find this interview with Robin to be as wonderful and motivating and powerful as I did. So with that, let's jump into talking to Robin uh, about her mission and about Tiny Superheroes. Let me start off by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. So my name is Robin. I live in St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I grew up. Um, We spent about six years in Seattle, Washington, which is where I started Tiny Superheroes. And I have three boys who are eight, six, and three. I love them more than anything in the world, and they are crazy, you know? So I never knew that kind of what I do with Tiny Superheroes was a passion of mine. I never knew that like the special needs community was a passion of mine. Um, but I feel like so blessed to kind of have found my purpose. Um, and I have no doubt that I'm right where I need to be. Oh, that's awesome. So why don't you, I've looked on your site and read through your stuff, but why don't you tell our listeners kind of where Tiny Superheroes came from, about those first capes that you made, and just in general, what the mission of Tiny Superheroes is? Sure. So in the in late 2012, my nephew was having a birthday and I wanted to like be a cool aunt. And at the time I only had one son who was one year old which I think at the time felt really busy, but looking back, I clearly had time to make capes. So I must not have been as busy as I am now. And so I made my nephew a superhero cape for his birthday. It was, I'm like crafty enough, but this was my first sewing attempt. So I made his, my nephew's name was Eli and I made him a cape and I gave it to him for his birthday. And Um, I mean, he couldn't care less. He was a really little guy, but like, it was really fun and I loved it. And I started making capes for just like my son's friends and just like very random, non-significant purposes. And at that time, I came across a story on Facebook about a young girl named Brenna who was born in Illinois and was in the NICU 
um, at the time, and she was born unexpectedly with a very severe skin disorder called harlequin ichthyosis. And um, her story was just really engaging to me, primarily because I had a son the exact same age. So it was like just it very close to home. And also I was really moved by Courtney, who is Brenna's mom's ability to be grateful for everything in the midst of very possibly losing her daughter. And I was just really amazed that in everything she wrote, it always had like a perspective of gratitude. And um, Brenna is now eight years old and, and doing great. Um, Harlequin ichthyosis is like a lifetime battle, but she's doing really great. And I will never forget that time I was like nursing my son in the rocking chair, looking at my phone, reading her blog. And I was like, Brenna needs a cape. And so I reached out and I was like, I don't mean to be creepy, but I would love to send Brenna a cape. And luckily they were receptive to it. And um, I sent Brenna and her psychic brother a cape and they sent back a picture and I was like addicted. So I um, found some other kids whose families were sharing their stories online. It was a really wide variety of diagnoses that they were dealing with. And I sent them all capes and it kind of um, started, we got some press in the beginning, which really kind of created like a snowball effect to now seven years later, we've sent over 60,000 capes to kids all over the world. It's been amazing. I would say that like in so many ways, my vision for it hasn't changed at all, which is really cool. But I have learned so much that like my vision has totally changed, if that makes sense. But like my my primary goal is empowering kids overcoming illness or disability. And I love that when they get these capes, it gives them like an instant feeling of pride and confidence that's really hard to explain. Um, but really, my mission is way past the cape. It's really I want to change the way the world sees disability so that the kids on my tiny superhero squad are set up for success, just like everybody else. And I think that to do that successfully, we do have to empower the, the tiny superheroes and we have to support the family around them and educate the community around them. So that's kind of my mission is like I want to change the world. I want kids in wheelchairs to go to the store confidently. And I want kids who aren't in wheelchairs to be excited to learn about a new friend who has different superpowers than them. That's awesome. So you I, you probably don't know this, but my dad had polio when he was a child and was paralyzed from the neck down and uh, wears two leg braces to this day. We grew up with my dad having mild disability, right? Like he was still able, able to walk. And I think that definitely changes the way you see the world. You know, my kids will go up to my dad and say, we call him Popo. Popo, I want to see your braces. Or Popo, why do you walk with a limp? And it gives my dad an opportunity to just talk to them about it. And because they've had those interactions with my dad, they will also go up to somebody in a wheelchair in the middle of the mall and say, hi, why are you in a wheelchair? They're not afraid to interact and engage with people that are different than them. Um, and I and I think that that's been a blessing for my kids to not to not be afraid of that. And I think it's also a blessing for families that have 
kids that are in a wheelchair, that my kids are not afraid to approach other people who are different because of their interactions with my dad. Tell me about what the capes mean to you when you are sending them to these kids. In the beginning, I really underestimated the power of what these capes could be. And I really just kind of wanted to send it as like a gift just to like let them know someone was thinking about them. And at the time, I didn't really fully understand the psychology around kids feeling like superheroes. When I first sent the capes, I really had little expectations. My goal was for them to make them smile. Um, The more that I have learned just like about the psychological effects of kids feeling like superheroes, the more that I actually like believe in what we do Um, because it is phenomenal. But like every single time these kids get their capes, they either take off running or say, you know, Super Matthew or they put their arm out. It's like we have these instinctual reactions to thinking of ourselves as superheroes. What has been even cooler is that I never anticipated their cape being part of their journey. Um, I think like in the best case scenario, I wanted them to wear it. I never anticipated that they would start taking it to their surgeries or taking it to their doctor's appointments. But pretty early on in my journey with Tiny Superheroes, that changed for me because it was maybe three months in when I was just very much sending one cape at a time. Um, I got an email from a father who I didn't know, and he reached out to let me know that his son received his cape and that his son loved it so much that he had just passed away and they decided to bury him in his cape. Oh, goodness. And like I had never even mentally gone there, you know, like I never considered like that maybe death would be part of the journey for these kids. And I certainly never imagined that something as simple as a cape could be that meaningful. I was particularly moved that I was someone they reached out to in the middle of that situation. I just couldn't wrap my head around. And at that point, I, I made a commitment to myself that like, even if this is only that meaningful to like one more person, like there is no obstacle that should stop me from doing this. And the the main obstacle being money most of the time. Yeah. That like this was more significant than money. And that has really given me strength through what has definitely been the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life, you know? And now I I see the cape as something very, very special. Um We'll probably talk about it more, but we started our patches program about two years ago, roughly. And the kids are earning patches that go onto their capes. So their capes are really like telling their story. And it's it's not just a cape anymore. Tell me how kids can get a cape if they want one. So Tiny Superheroes is like a socially minded for-profit company. So we have like a crowdfunding model. So my goal from day one was that these families wouldn't have to pay for their capes. But I also didn't want to be a fundraiser and I didn't really want to run a nonprofit for various reasons. And so I kind of made it my like goal to figure out a way to 
build this in a sustainable business way where we could help more kids and have more freedom. And it took a really long time, but we we have a model now that works and it's been really awesome because as the business has worked, the number of tapes we've been able to send has grown. So the way that our um, model works is that families nominate their child for a cape. So we have tiny superheroes who are revealing their superpowers through Down syndrome or autism or um, have a congenital heart defect or have a skin disorder. I mean, you name it, and we probably have a tiny superhero who has it. We have tons of really rare tiny superheroes, which is really awesome because it gives them an opportunity to connect with families, even if it's not the same diagnosis. And so through our website, anyone can nominate a child. It's at tinysuperheroes.com slash nominate. And when you do, we build a cape campaign for them with a $30 goal to sponsor their cape. I think the coolest thing that we do is that there's zero obligation. So the majority of people who nominate don't raise any money for their cape, but everybody nominated receives a cape okay. because we have some people in a position to raise more than they need for their cape, and that directly sponsors other capes. Oh, wonderful. So, um, yeah, it's like it's a really cool cycle that, again, took a long time to figure out, but it's one of my favorite things because our squad is constantly supporting each other by a lot of people giving a little. It creates really big impact. That's wonderful. So once they get sponsored and then they get their cape, now they can be those superheroes and run and fly and take those capes with them to surgeries or doctor's appointments or hospitalizations. Talk to me about the patches that kids can now earn to put on their capes. Yeah. So once they get their cape, that we call them officially on our squad. And we, our tiny superhero squad is like what I live for, you know? Um, I knew early on that these tiny superheroes needed more than a cape, you know, like that, like I wanted to give them more, but it really was like drilled into me when I did a survey of our group and 80% said they didn't participate in extracurricular activities, but 98% of them wanted to. Right. And I could probably name a hundred reasons why they can't or they don't. Um, And they're all pretty valid reasons, some that need to change in the world and some that are just practically not possible. And I wanted to change that. Like I have three kids and, you know, my son played soccer and got a trophy. And whether you believe in that or not, it doesn't really matter. My kids have opportunities to feel proud of themselves that kids with special needs don't have. And so my kind of goal became to be in their mailbox every month. So I started creating uh, activity every month we called a mission. And every mission is designed to unlock a superpower. So we have unlocked our superpower of knowledge, curiosity, of positivity, of strength, of courage. And um, every time that they do that, they earn a patch. And similar to the capes, it's at no cost to the family and is funded in a really similar crowdfunding model. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Because not only are you encouraging them to get out in the world, but some of those patches, creativity, kindness, um, those are life skills that we're wanting to model for all of our children in terms of, you know, 
what I say with Mighty Littles is that we're creating kids the world needs. And that's exactly what your patch program is doing is getting them out into the world and instilling these uh, ideals in these children um, to create kids that the world needs. I think that's an absolutely phenomenal uh, program. That's really, really neat. Thanks. And one of the things we love about it is like all kids can do it. So like the patches program isn't just for our Chinese superheroes, like their psychics participate and anyone who participates gets a patch. Um, We have like a psychic program for psychics to have their own capes too, but it's really like exactly what you said in order for the change that like I want to see in the world, all kids need to be learning these things. Um, I'm counting on my squad to help me make that possible. I also believe every kid has superpowers, you know, and it's been a cool experience because the impact on kids with special needs, without special needs, every kid is longing for these same things. Right. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, that it practically gives me chills. I'm really excited about the, the patches program. If you could dream big for tiny superheroes, right? 10 years from now, dream like really big. Money's not an issue. Time isn't an issue. Trying to work and take care of your kids and live life and be under quarantine with COVID-19. Like none of that is an issue. Just dream really big. What would your dreams be for tiny superheroes? I think that my dreams revolve around changing the mindset of people. So some of the things that I've seen in small ways that I want to see in big ways is when somebody learns about a child who is sick or has a disability or they meet somebody or they see someone at the airport, like tiny superheroes is the first thing they think of. Because if your first thought about someone who is different than you is very positive, which thinking of someone as a superhero is very positive. It realigns all of the ways that you think about them. And so all of a sudden, like every interaction is different because Chinese superheroes has become a symbol of courage and strength. And we're seeing it in other people. So I think like for me, it's like, you know, every kid at the hospital would have a tiny superheroes cape and the doctors might be the ones giving it to them, you know? And, um, Adults who have nothing to do with the special needs community are understanding the under, the concept. So, for example, I have a very personal story about someone in my life, an adult who shared this with me that, you know, super nice human being um, one time was at the airport, like in the last couple of years after tiny superheroes had like become normal in his life. And he saw another adult in a wheelchair And he was very honest to say that typically he would not have approached him Mm -hmm. and said hello. But um, the man had like a sweatshirt on of the same team that he liked. He like went out of his comfort zone and said hello and had a very normal conversation, which is what I would have expected to happen. But it was a surprise to him because he had never tried it before. And like that is the change that I want tiny superheroes to have. I think that is an incredible mission. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, the mom who had a NICU baby saying, I I know I had a NICU baby, but please invite us to play play groups. Like I'm, I'm still a mom. I still have a child. We still are a mom baby who want to go to play groups and trying to break down those barriers that make that not possible. 
totally. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating how many barriers there are. And I think a lot of it is the fear of the unknown. And so if if you're not the same same with the NICU, the same with going to a foreign country, there's a lot of fear of the unknown and it takes a lot of energy and effort to kind of cross over that barrier to say, yeah, I don't really know anything about that, but I'm I'm willing to look a little bit ignorant and I'm willing to look like I don't know anything in order to learn more and just, I don't know, kindness goes a long way. Just be kind. The thing that I've seen over and over and over again, especially like when I do work in schools, is that the barriers are so thin that like just the slightest exposure normalizes things. And I think one of the biggest problems is that developmentally kids are learning their own parent prejudices before they're in kindergarten. And we also know that kids aren't exposed to kids with special needs before kindergarten. Right. And so by the time you send them to kindergarten, it's not surprising that they would be scared of a child in a wheelchair. This is like the very first time it has been okay to talk about it. For me, the more we talk and the more we share, the barriers are not hard to break. We're just not willing to break them. Right. Or we don't have a reason or an exposure to do it. Right. Yeah. So tell me about the work that you do in schools. So it's kind of just organically grown around my own kids being in school. But usually around like abilities awareness week is when I do like most of my assemblies. Okay. And my goal with the assemblies is like I love kids and I love talking to them. I'm terrified of talking to adults, but I could talk to kids like all day long. And I just want to show them pictures and tell them stories about kids that are different. So the whole message behind what I try to share at elementary schools is like, I thought that I only, there was only one way to breathe, you know, like through my mouth and my nose. And I thought I was pretty good at it. And, you know, I know I'm not an expert at everything, but I did think I knew how to breathe. But when I met Isaac and he had a tube coming out of his neck, it was very confusing for me, especially when he told me that that's how he breathed. You know, often we think there's only one way of doing something, but there are so many different ways of doing something. And every time I learn about a different way of doing something, it is like one of the coolest experiences. And now Isaac's my friend. And then I met Isabel and she has a trach as well. And now I know that it helps her breathe. Just I literally I feel pretty confident again, like I am not an expert, but just telling them, showing them a picture of a kid, giving that kid a name and then telling them that like Isaac also likes to play hockey is all they need. Right. No, I think that's that's fantastic. Again, it's that education part of breaking down those barriers is is really just making things not scary, making things familiar, because familiar things aren't scary. Just using stories can do that. I also think the capes, there's some kind of magic around seeing a child in a cape. My kids love to dress up. And so we have dress up parties. And my daughter will go to the supermarket uh, in a full Spider-Gwen costume, right? And my son will go in his pirate costume. And People will talk to my kids who never would have looked twice because they're wearing a costume, because they're wearing a cape. It's there is this immediate icebreaker that 
invites connection, that invites conversation, that automatically breaks down some of those barriers. That is the magic of these capes. It's so cool that you said that. That is like spot on to my experience. So I love when families have the cape hanging from their their scooter or their wheelchair all the time. Because so like I consider myself like I've always been a kind person. And if nothing else, I've wanted to be a kind person, you know. So but it, you we are not educated to know what a family wants when I meet them. Like if I'm in the same restaurant as you and your child has very apparent special needs, do you want me to say hi? Do you not want me to say hi? Like, am I going to accidentally offend you? I'm trying not to offend you. Will I offend you if I don't say hi? But if there's a cape hanging from it, all I have to say is like, that is an awesome cape. Right. And we instantly know whether or not they want to have a conversation. And if they do, it is immediately a safe topic to talk about. Right. That opens the door for them to share a lot more if they want or not. So, so some some families will say like, oh, yeah, he, he, you know, he has epilepsy and it's one of his superpowers. And quickly I'm learning more. We also make trading cards that the families can buy that really help with like facilitating that kind of conversation. It's like he's a superhero, like here's his trading card and on the back is his story. Right. Um, you nailed it. It is like such a bridge. Yeah, it really is an icebreaker. It invites conversation. Tell me a little bit about your current campaign that you started, the Spread Hopes Not Spread Hope Not Germs. Why did you start it and kind of where where did it come from? Well, I hope that sometimes our missions look very well planned out. Most of the time, it's like a midnight idea three days before, you know? Yeah. And um, so we're, we like are hit in the face with coronavirus and, you know, like financially as a business, you have no idea what is about to happen and it is terrifying. And we have about between two and 3,000 kids participate in the patches program every month, which, um, you know, sending one or two or 10 patches is really inexpensive, but sending like 3,000 is actually quite expensive. And um, I became very nervous about like, what are we entering into? And am I going to be able to continue having this program for free? Right. Which I knew was super important for our families. And so I wanted to think of a way that like the community could support us, um, but also where it was like part of our mission. And I firmly believe that hope is way more contagious than the coronavirus and that our squad is professional at spreading it. And so I really just wanted it to be like something that engaged the community. So very similar to like our Cape campaigns for this mission, they got a rise up campaign. And um, one of the fun things is like our squad loves our gears, like our sweatshirts and our, you know, like they just like love that stuff. And so through special campaigns like this, we reward them with gear for participating. And so it it was kind of like win-win because like they were earning gear that they loved. They were raising funds for our patches program. And while they were raising funds, they were sending out this very positive message of hope. And while they were raising the funds, now we're able to continue providing the patches program. And it was, you never know what to expect, but it was so amazing. And about, only about 900 tiny superheroes participated, but they raised over $50,000. Oh my goodness. So it's quite remarkable. And yeah, it's amazing. And it's kind of goes back to like 
I, I'm really moved by the model that we use where everyone giving a little makes a huge impact because people give five or $10. It's, it's nothing, it's nothing that hurts most people, but when you put it together, it impacts so many people and it's been really fun. And like the, for the, for this mission, they all made posters that say spread hope, not germs. And the hashtag is we rise up. And it's like, how can you not smile and having those all over social media right now? I mean, we can't have enough of them. It's like, keep making, po- the campaign's almost over, but keep making posters. Like, this is amazing. Um, I think that art has become a big thing right now. So we do live craft times three times a week with our squad on Facebook. And then we do nighttime. We do journaling with moms. You mentioned your journal earlier. Yeah. It's been like, so like this quarantine has been impossible in 800 ways, but I have learned so much about my squad that I never would have learned if I didn't have to slow down. So if uh, my listeners who are, you know, mostly at this point, NICU moms or ex-NICU moms, if they wanted to either go to your website and support some capes or donate or sign up to have a cape for their child, where would they go and how would they sign up uh, and donate? I would say if you have a child that was ever in the NICU, we want them on our tiny superhero squad. And if they're nine years old and thriving and have no repercussions of their premature birth, we want them on our squad. And if they were born yesterday and have a long journey, we want them on our squad. So I would encourage them all to nominate their tiny superheroes. It's totally free. Um, We'll make you a Cape campaign, which will allow you to support other kids as well. And we... We also have these specialty patches, and they'll love that one of our first specialty patches was a NICU grad patch. So I would tell them all to go to tinysuperheroes.com slash nominate. And once you get there, if you decide you want to look around, there's a lot of other opportunities on our site to help as well. Okay, that's just awesome. What else would you like to share with our listeners today that I haven't asked you about? You know, one thing I'm learning currently is... so. We serve the kids, but we're really connecting with the moms, you know? Um, the, and when it comes down to it, the struggle that a mom of a child with special needs goes through is significant and unrelatable to people who haven't been there. And so, I mean, the number of moms who have lost friends because of it, disconnected from family because of it, who have been judged or lost their job or, you know, like become depressed or have anxiety or PTSD. I find so many times that they're all feeling so similar and they're all feeling completely alone and growing that community of moms. So we have like a Facebook group of like 30,000 moms and there's a 91% engagement rate, which means that they are all looking for connection Right. And we haven't mastered it yet, but that is like my goal is like, I want you to know you aren't alone because you actually have friends who understand. And so I guess I just want to, I've learned so much just recently, and I want to just encourage all of the moms who might be listening that like all of the crazy things you might be feeling or have felt, other people feel them. And um, they are looking for someone too. So if tiny superheroes can be a starting point for that connection between moms, um, 
I mean, that would be a success to me. And as we send more capes, it is like of critical priority to me to make sure we're providing support for the families. I think that sounds just wonderful. I'm really excited about your organization, and I was thrilled when I came across it. And now having talked to you, I'm even more excited about it. Oh, good. Um, And I cannot wait to get this podcast out so that even more people are aware of, of what you guys are doing because I'm just... I'm really in awe of what your what your mission is and how you guys are breaking down those barriers and really encouraging conversation. So uh, hats off to you. I'm, I'm just really thrilled for your organization. Well, thank you. And I know firsthand that sharing family stories is one of the most empowering things we can do for them. And that's what you're doing. And I love it. So I'm excited to tell our whole community about what you're doing too. It's really awesome. And we would really love to have your kids on our squad. So I'm going to try to send them something. (laughs) Well, we will definitely participate in your squad. Uh, We would love to. We, I think those patches and the programs that you're doing are really, really good for kids just in terms of creating kids the world needs who have empathy and communication skills. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. It's really great to meet you. Yeah, it was lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. So as we wrap up today's podcast, I just want to say thank you again to Robin and Tiny Superheroes for coming on the podcast and sharing their story with us. I really hope that you guys will check out their website and get superhero capes for your little ones. We now have capes for all three of my kids, and we will be participating in our first monthly mission to unlock their superpower of vision this month and look forward to getting patches on their capes. I thought I would give you an update about what to expect with the podcast over the next month or two. We will be having episodes on two preterm babies, a one 28-weeker named Ella and a 29-weeker named Leo. I will also be bringing you the story of Clayton, a term baby who was unexpectedly admitted to the NICU after his delivery, and Tim, a term baby with a congenital defect that his mom, Katie, knew well ahead of time that he would be in the NICU. And so I thought I would share kind of their different perspectives and how the NICU went when you know what's coming and when you don't. Additionally, I've got Julie Cullen. She's a social worker in private practice who specializes in anxiety and trauma. And we're going to be talking about both the NICU and also kind of what it's like living through COVID-19 and the trauma that that is inflicting on people right now. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. I hope that you all had a wonderful Mother's Day this past weekend, and we will see you soon. Keep saying it, Walt. No. Podcast.